Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor of Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that you enjoy this teaching resource. This is just getting a glimpse of what we do on a Sunday morning. Uh, this is our last week of working through the book of Titus. We are uh, going to close it out and then uh, start a new series on the Feast of Jesus, working through the book of Leviticus. Jesus celebrated uh, seven feasts with his disciples as he lived and walked the earth. And we're going to explore those leading up to Easter. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. Or you can go to your app store, the Google Play Store, and search for Casper Alliance Church. Look for the double C's and download our church app. And you can see us, follow us, interact with us, uh, watch us everywhere, right on your phone, your device, your iPad, your Kindle. Thanks for listening. We love the support. We appreciate you. Have a good day. So uh, turn with me to Titus if you haven't already been there. Titus, this is the last week of this Titus series. Um, if, I were to, if I were to go back and decide to do it again, which we might, we'd probably do it just a touch differently. Um, we, didn't, I didn't, we didn't drill down on some things that we probably should have because I'm a chicken. Like everybody else is a chicken. But <laughs> um, Gracie read, and uh, I was gonna, I'm going to focus on those verses, but as we're sitting here, I want to go to the end, which I wasn't really going to talk about that much um, at all, really. Because what it is, is uh, if you pick up a verse 12 of Titus, chapter 3, uh, Paul, who wrote this letter to Titus, planting churches, working, building a church in Crete, um, gives a list of names and says to welcome them and to treat them well. And when they come into your place, to lift them up and to bless them. And, and so there's a couple things that I, as we're sitting there singing that I thought, you know, this is an appropriate time. This isn't part of my script, which tends to be kind of a joke around here anyway, because I don't really have a script. But next week, next week, Eric uh, Olson from the district office will be coming and speaking to us. He's going to spend some time. Eric hasn't spoke here before. Eric is the assistant to the district superintendent, Jonathan. And we, this church has great affinity for our district leadership. They've, they've coached and, and pastored and shepherded this church through some, a numerous amount of things. And so there, there's a, a relationship there that's a, that feels uh, genuinely loving. And they love this place. And, and so Eric, we haven't had come share yet. He's new within uh, my time here in this district, a year, year and a half. And he's going to come spend the weekend with us, and he's going to teach and share. And this is an opportunity for us to practice what, what Paul's telling Titus, to receive him. Eric from Billings will be arriving at, at, our, at our building and be here for the weekend and teach and bless, and we need to care for him. The other thing that I thought of as we're sitting there is, and I, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but the Christian Motorcycle Association, they invaded our space today. And that's a blessing to us. And in turn, we need to be a blessing back to them. I have really, really fond memories in a previous ministry when the Christian Motorcycle Association would come to the, the church I was at in Iowa, and they would be there, and they would just elevate the spiritual climate of the building for three or four days as they would hold like a conference or a meeting or their version of the tent meeting. And they would, find, they would find people in town to bless and care for. They would find a way to, to, to administer grace to, to the neighbors of the church. And, and they would leave the place better off than when they arrived. And that's, I have really fond memories of having that crowd in 
and, and I mean, it was like three or 400 of them. We'd be a little overwhelmed. We wouldn't have enough coffee for that, <laughs> for that crowd this morning. But, but the, issue, the thing is, is the Christian Motorcycle Association is actually practicing the very thing that the Scripture teaches, and that's to welcome and be a blessing to traveling ministers or to churches if you're a, a follower of Christ. And I, I feel it in the room as you guys have arrived. The elevation of the spiritual climate was raised this morning. Thank you. I hope we're a blessing to you guys, too. And so that's the kind of nature the church needs to have with missionaries, with teachers that come in to share. With, and we have that experience here in the Christian Missionary Alliance. We invite missionaries usually to come annually, sometimes more than that. And the idea is to come and we're to be a blessing to them. And, and, and in part, they bless us. But all of it is to raise the spiritual climate of the church. And it's not just for our church, but for the church, like capital C, the church. Because when the, when the, the, the church, the spiritual climate is elevated, we fight. And we're willing to get into the fight. We're willing to mix it up and not go silent or be apathetic or, or quiet. In our church, uh, our vision statement, Staff Reliance Church, is fighting forward together through hope in Jesus Christ. We've had that for about a year. I don't know, maybe a little bit longer than that. We've worked through it. And as, as you try to put the nut on the bolt to have it attached to something, to, to cling to something, to make it make sense, that's kind of the, the space that we're in right now. We like the phrase, we like the concept, but what does it really mean to fight forward together? I hope myself to make sure that I'm being fed for myself. That's weird. And if any of you do that, that's kind of a strange thing, too. Like, if you're like, you know, I just got to work some things out, and you stand in front of a mirror and talk to yourself for a little bit, and somebody walks in on that, they'd be like, it's a little odd. But so my soul doesn't dry up, and I just become business-like. I need to consume, too, and so I do. I consume. I consume other guys out there preaching, and I'm not afraid to, you guys, I mean, if you guys end up down at Village Church, God bless you. But he, he said this thing a couple weeks ago, that I'm stealing. I'm going to send him a message saying I'm stealing. The church was designed to get in the fight. To get into the fight. That whatever's happening in culture in the world around us, we're supposed to get involved. We're not just like these bystanders that just watch the world pass by us and go, oh, woe is me. Culture's happening to us. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, now we can acquiesce every now and again, right? We can make some decisions and say, okay, you want me to do that? I'll do that. You want us to kind of to kind of lower the number, to stop the spread, to flatten the curve? Hey, we'll acquiesce a little bit. We'll, we'll go, okay, we'll come this far. We, because we can, and we'll make that decision as a group. But you're not going to silence us. And here's, the bottom line is, is we're going to get in the fight. And so finally, I had this concept that like, another pastor put on my mind that said, hey, the church is designed to be in the battle, to be in the trenches, to be in the neighborhood, to be in the fight, to be in the business, to be in, in the conversation, to be so forceful, to be so aggressive, to be so in your face about Jesus that somebody has to respond to it. They can reject it. 
They can deny it. They can say, I'm not interested. But the church wasn't designed to be this bride that is super passive. There's seasons in my life where my bride is passive. No, there is. There is. There, <laughs> there's see, listen, Dr. Faisal is an aggressive lady in all the right ways. But there are seasons in our life, and I know Chris shared last week, thanks for sharing, you guys shared some marriage stories. I'm going to share something real quick. It's not bad. It's bad on me, not bad on you. If, if Adrienne's passive, overly passive, it's detrimental to the household. I'll get lost doing nothing for days. Absolutely did. And, and some of us men like to blame our wives and say they're nagging. They're not na- they're, they're being involved. They showed up to the fight. The design in a husband and a wife isn't for the wife to just sit by and, and wait for the husband to make all the decisions and to just, just wait. And just to be like, well, whatever you decide. Lord willing, please don't rise. <laughs> we'll get it through. Like if, if Adrienne is passive long enough, she's going to not. We'll have eaten out 15 times in a row. I've spent four days not talking to a single soul. I might not even show up to work. That, I mean, that's the kind of re- the symbiotic relationship we have. To where I need her to be, but I think the bride, like I'm, I'm not elevating you to be perfect. You, know, you got some things to work on, sweetie. But <laughs> that's 20 years of me poking fun at her on Sunday morning. But the bride is not designed to be passive. There's a difference between being passive and being submissive. There's a very biblical difference between being passive and submissive. Very much so. The church is the bride of Christ. We're submissive to Jesus. We submit to Christ. And he shapes us, conforms us, molds us into who he wants us to be. And, and Lord willing, creek don't rise. The elders are on, in tune, and they guide the church in the right direction to where they're listening. And they're being shaped. That's submission to the king. We're not designed to be passive where we just sit and wait for things to happen. We have to take steps forward. We have to make decisions. We have to be in the fight. And what does that look like for our church to be in the fight? It means involved. That's the number one thing. Do you know the person sitting to your right right now? Well, if you're married and there's no one there, that's clear. You look to your left, there's another group of people. Do you know those people? Now, taking that a step further, do we know the people that's right to our church, the neighborhood, the left to our church, the business? That's being involved, being concerned, caring. Not because we want to be necessarily the best neighbors. Let's raise a ruckus. But the goal is to elevate 
in a way to where the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is proclaimed. And that's a fight. Because there always will be opposition against that. There has since the beginning. There's opposition against Jesus. People will not accept Jesus' kingdom because it requires submission. It requires surrender. It requires admitting that you need something outside of yourself. Because if you need a Savior, you can't save yourself. It's acknowledging that you're weak and you have sin. That conversation's not fun to have with your neighbor, nor is it fun to have with your wife or your kids or anybody around you. To call somebody out, to say, we have a problem, to say, we need Jesus. That's not an easy conversation, but that's what it means for the church to have courage and to show up for the fight. To say, I'm involved, I'm engaged, I'm here. And I'm coming proclaiming the good news of Christ, who provides salvation, who provides forgiveness, who provides grace for the broken, who provides love and hope through the community of the church, the the reckless hospitality of the church. That's the design of being in the fight. Not passive, but inviting the neighbor, inviting the other, inviting the one who doesn't belong. Let's be honest. When I saw the CMA come in, I knew who they were, but did you know who they were? There's a biker gang that just showed up here. He's got tattoos on his arm, and that freaks me out. They, I don't know if those people belong in the church. That is the church. I know, I can imagine. You step into a church and you're like, what, what is going on here? This A biker gang just showing up to our church? You think they're going to kill us? I've been in those places where that conversation took place. We might need to call that group and tell them not to come because it's scary for some of our people. Listen, if you want a pristine looking church, you don't belong. Because the moment you walk in, you make it dirty. Every last one of you. Including your pastor. I'm a hot, dirty mess. I didn't even remember my glasses today. My aggressive wife said, you want your glasses? With exclamation points. It was a question mark, I'm sorry. It was more like, do you want your glasses? Stupid, duh, question mark. (laughs) Passive versus aggressive, but ultimately what we're trying to do is we want to be engaged. We want to be in the fight. So that's, I learned that this week, just in my own soul, and said, yes, that's what the church looks like. And as you start to attach the nut to the bolt of who we are as a church, in the middle is the fight, that we're going to be involved, we're going to be engaged, we're going to be inviting, we're going to be concerned about the other, we're going to be, in, we're going to be interested in the one that doesn't belong in this little club that we call the church, because the church is huge, for us, our soul, and for the world because it's the primary vehicle in which grace and the gospel gets administered to the nations. We are the voice of Jesus. Sure, he can speak for himself, but what a blessing to be invited into the mission of Christ. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when my spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the nations. It is your charge. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go! Yeah! Of all nations, teaching them all that I've taught you, baptizing them in my name. That's the charge of the church. 
That's not a, hey, if you decide you want to show up to our place, you know, we got an average guy that talks. We got some maroon chairs, which is on, you know, like 80% of all the churches. They don't take an offering. We have a basket in the back, so we don't want to offend anybody. There's kids talking, and it's a little distracting. It's in a gym. No, that's, we don't do that. We say, come, we have someone we want to introduce you to, and his name's Jesus. Now, let's get into Titus, now that I've preached on that. This is the very thing that, that Paul is instructing Titus to be. And this, the, the verses that were read this morning, I'm going to read them to you again. <clears throat> Verse 9, do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning after that. There's have nothing more to do with them, for people like that have turned away from the truth, and their own sin condemns them. This is a response to what was read last week. This is, it's adding on to what, what was taught, or what Chris read, and, and what uh, Paul is teaching Titus. Go back to verse 4. Well, let's go back to 3. Once we, we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. All right, we can wrap our head around that. That's sin, right? We, we, we're slaves. We're, we, we're dead. We were in, entangled. We had chains. We had the sin. We get that, right? Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated one another. We hated each other. Sound familiar? But, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out His Spirit upon, upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight, and He gave us confidence that we inherit, and this is the key, we inherit eternal life. And then He says in verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying. Now, this verse 9, what I just read to you, this is a response to having a, a, a saved soul, having new life in Christ. And I'm going to summarize it for you. Stop wasting time. Stop wasting time talking about everything that doesn't matter. Now, I'm not talking about is Jesus, Jesus, is he? I'm talking about like why are we wasting time about this is the equivalent of what color of carpet we should put in the sanctuary. Paul's saying you are wrestling with the wrong issues. You're focused on everything other than the thing that matters. It's okay to fight for good theology, good doctrine. Paul already said that to Titus. He goes, you have to have good teachers and good doctrine and excellent, excellent teaching that's truth and truth only. But here, stop wasting time about these things that don't matter. About genealogy? About adhering to these obscure Jewish laws? About putting our faith in like who has the best spiritual pedigree? That's arguing about, did you go to the University of Wyoming or did you go to the University of Nebraska? Well, clearly anybody who went to the University of Nebraska is a much better citizen. Not only have they experienced city life in Lincoln, they also know farm life. They've seen cows. I mean, that's the kind of, yeah, it's ridiculous. We lived in a state in Michigan where Michigan, Michigan State would fight about this all the time. They would argue. And at the end of the day, it's just for people in college to have something to drink about. I mean, that's really what it's all about. 
Who's better? This college is better than that college. That's what spirit, that's the pedigree. I was raised in this household. I'm a Faisal, the first of my kind. Thus, I have pedigree. I'm the first to do this. I mean, what a colossal waste of energy, effort, time when people are driving by your church or sailing past your church and free, going to hell. What a, what a misguided picture into the mission of the church. But how many conversations have you gotten yourself in over the, your church life that have been about next to nothing and have been about these useful, useless things that you feel are very useful? We have a conversation going on right now. I'm going to reveal something uh, about the board here at the church. It's really, really fun. We have been told, and I told, I've talked about this, we've been told by the city of Casper that we need to have three things in this building to become I don't, who cares what it is? To, be, to become awesome. <laughs> to be anything. To become magical. When we have these three things, we will all be able to cast spells. But it, it doesn't matter, but they've told us we need to do these three things, right? So the three things are pretty simple. There's two that are, are easy to take care of. One that's going to be a little bit more arduous and have a little bit more effort and, and might require me to stand in front of you or, or actually Mark, I won't do it. Have Mark stand in front of you and say, hey, we need to raise some money. But, like, but here's the deal. We, we know two of the things we can take care of and the board's already authorized us to do it. Said, go deal with it. So we went and got a bid to take care of it. Right? The bid came back and my first instinct was, that might be a little too much money. So I sent it out to the board, even though the board's already authorized. And all of a sudden, because I asked this question, now there's 17 other questions. That's an exaggeration. But there's like these other questions. Did we get this? Did we go get another bid? And like the, the questions start to spiral, even though the board already authorized, authorized the, the, to spend the money to do it. We have the money in the checking account to just go do it. We've been authorized. To, and I created a genealogy argument about should we get this doorknob or that doorknob or is it better for this kind of steel or that kind of, I mean, do we really have to do that many? Does this, I mean, all of a sudden, this little dumb conversation, and I'm saying dumb with my emphasis because I created it, turned into this other thing where a decision hasn't been made yet. That has been multiplied in every church everywhere in the world a 100,000 times over unless the church is being persecuted. Then they don't have time to waste energy on those sort of things because they're fighting for their lives. But us who are bored and who aren't in the fight, we talk about light switch covers and doorknobs. And I wonder how much it would cost to put a different type of heating system in the building. I mean, come on. And I always said as a kid I would never get myself into those conversations. And I created it here. It's like this fear of doing something wrong and irritating someone else so they're annoyed with you, so you're, you're hedging your bet against every single person. And you know how exhausting that is. So Paul is telling Titus to stop wasting energy and time. And if people want to double down and be committed to this idea, this committed to this idea of quarreling about spiritual pedigree or foolish discussions or obedience to Jewish laws, these people are just causing division. They're making teams. They're bringing everybody, they're like trying to separate 
the groove so that people can just fight. What is the point of that? I'm going to ignore it. By acknowledging, I didn't. And Paul is so strong in this, he says, after they won't stop fighting, have nothing to do with them. That seems harsh. That seems heavy. That seems difficult. But distracting from the mission is a life or death. This is where I think the church needs to become not passing, but in the fight. Because as soon as we be, get distracted, we've actually we've actually submitted to the evil one. Turn to First Peter. I'm going to read a verse to you that you know. First Peter five. We're going to start at verse 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Submit. Humble. Submit to God under his mighty power. and Saying, I am not the strongest person in the room. I'm going to submit to God. And at some point he'll lift me up. Now verse 7 is really interesting as it, as it connects to verse 8. And it connects back to what I'm talking about with wasting energy on all these quarrels. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, this is not a Christian platitude, that where you go to somebody who is on a deathbed or is fighting for their life with cancer and say, give all your cares to God. I don't want you to apply it like that. But it needs to be this soul thing that comes up because you understand the mighty power of God you're able to submit before him and you're able with confidence and authority and power say, I'm going to submit all my worry, all my care, everything that's holding me down to God Almighty because at some point he will lift me up because it's a promise. And then verse 8 happens. It's the warning. Stay alert, friends. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers were connected as a church. It's not just us. We're not lone survivors here. There's a whole community. That's why every Sunday we try to pray for our community of churches. That's why when the CMA shows up here at the CMA church, we get excited because they're part of the fight. They're in it with us. We're teammates. That's why we care about Boyd Avenue. That's why we care about Highland. That's why we care about every church in this community because they're in it. We're in it together. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And kind, God called you to what? To share in the eternal glory. To share in the truth of Christ, the good news of Jesus. To share in that. Not your eloquent way of describing the Jewish law that you should adhere to. Now, and all, just to be completely transparent, our next sermon series is on Jewish law. We're, we're going to talk about the feast of Jesus 
coming up. We're running up into Easter, so we're going to look at Jesus celebrated seven feasts with his followers. We're going to work through Leviticus and show them in Leviticus and how Jesus did them, just to give us kind of an exploration of what Jesus did with his disciples. He ate with them. He celebrated the things that God had provided. But I don't, I know, I know, I know that he really didn't talk about genealogy. When he arrived, he said, I'm Messiah, which is just a, I just think, and this is my interpretation, and we might have an argument on this, I think it's one of the most violent, political, aggressive acts in that time. To show up at the temple and say, I'm the Messiah. I am, I am. I mean, that's like saying, ha I'm king, you're not. And everybody there is going, whoa, that's like me showing up to the White House and going, listen, I'm the president today. <laughs> How long do you, I mean, I couldn't even get in. It's surrounded by a fence. They locked me out. Can't even go to my own house. They shut me down because they know. I mean, that's, that's the kind of aggression. That's not being passive. Now, Jesus behaved in a passive way at times. He didn't stir up all the time. But I'm telling you, every time he went to fight, he didn't fight with the leper. He didn't fight with the wounded. He didn't fight with the sick. He gave them truth, but he didn't, he didn't slap the woman at the well and say, you need to walk out of sin because you're a bad person. He reminded her of her sin, but he fought with the religious leaders. He fought with the political leaders. He fought with everybody in power. Man, that's aggression. That is the head of the church, the firstborn of all creation. We are his bride. We should model that behavior. So let's stop wasting energy talking about things that don't matter, like doorknobs, plate covers. I mean, we've got to do it, but like, I'm sorry, board. I should have just said do it and ignored it. I mean, that's what gets pastors into trouble. They just end up spending money they shouldn't have spent. I'm not what are you going to do? Sorry, I'm just trying to find some hot water. <laughs> okay, we're going to finish here. <laughs> Don't watch the train wreck. Ultimately, what happens when we talk about things and we, we, we put emphasis and we, and we really focus in on the things like these foolish discussions, it doesn't mean that there isn't a time where we have to talk it out. Right? We don't want people to leave just because we're we're not big fans of a certain type of music, right? Like I have heard of churches who put rules on what kind of music you can sing. Do you know this morning, you had a Bethel song, which is banned in like half the churches in the country, I've heard, and you had a hymn that I wonder if half the people in this room knew, and like at the same time. But I know that there's churches that argue about what kind of music. Or should we, I can't wait till just one Sunday morning you show up and there's a drum set in front of the cross. And you, people will be like, they blocked the cross with the drum set. You'd be like, it's not blocked, it's, it's like a light to the, to the cross. The drum set is like making noise to Jesus. But there's churches that just fight and fight and fight over that. They lost track of the mission. And ultimately here, this whole book of Titus is about developing leaders who will be so on point for Jesus that they drive the church straight into his mission, which is to be a witness to the nations, to bring salvation through Christ and Christ alone. 
to be a, a, a community of people who take in the hurt and the wounded and the lost and raise them up so that they know Jesus and teach them sound doctrine so they can communicate. Sound doctrine isn't just so you know. It's so that you can communicate the good news of Jesus. It's so that you know how to talk about Jesus. It's so that you, so that you can confidently, with aggression, in my opinion, say what you believe. Last story, and then I'm going to be done. When I was uh, courting my wife, I, wasn't, I don't even know what that means. When I was dating her, <laughs> I was trying to make everybody feel good about our relationship origin. When I was chasing her down at Delta, 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 <laughs> on the University of Minnesota campus, every time I would walk over to, this is true, right? Every time I would walk over to her, her sorority house, The Campus Crusade people would chase me down. And they would be like, they would be, they would be the right, the wrong kind of aggression. But here's what I communicated multiple times to this group of like four or five guys. I love Jesus. Jesus died for my sins. I put my faith in Christ. I, I love Jesus. Like this, this conversation probably happened ten times over the course of like six to nine months. I love Jesus to the same group of guys. And every time they were like, well, would you pray right now to receive Jesus? And I'm like, I'm already a Christian. Leave me alone. I'm going to try to pick up my pagan wife at the sorority house. And it happened every time. They're chasing me down. Will you accept me? I'm on your team. They wasted so much energy. So much energy trying to evangelize me, even though they, they would not hear me tell them I was a believer. I told them multiple times, I love Jesus. We, we, we're on this, we guys, we're together. We're together. And I would actually, there was a couple of times I pointed them back to my, like, like go to 225A. We lived in 225C. Go to 225A. Those guys are as heathen as it gets. And when you knock on the door, and you can tell them Jason sent you, the first, the one guy, I can't remember, Sparky was his name, Sparky? I, he had a nickname, right? Just, just horrendous human beings. But like my best friends while we lived there. But I would always say, and they wouldn't do it. They would never go on that door. They would all, and it's, I, I don't know why. They wasted so much energy trying to recruit somebody who already professed faith in Christ. But they lost the mission. I think they were so concerned with like just getting a number. Just like checking a box, going back to their small group leader saying, hey, uh, we witnessed to a guy today and he was a Christian and oh, we led him to the Lord. I, I, I guarantee you that story happened back of their dorms. We led a guy to the Lord today on this bridge that collapsed six years later. That's true. That's right where our apartment was if you follow the news. Off mission. I think those guys love Jesus. They were so distracted and consumed by trying to get something they didn't need to. They lost track of the lost people in their neighborhood. It's easy for the church to do that. To get sidetracked with everything else other than. That's what Paul is asking the church, asking Titus, as you begin to build these churches, don't lose track of the mission. It's Jesus. Christ. Salvation in him. Preach the good news. Remember, going back, good doctrine 
is all about you being able to communicate what you believe. It's not 